We're in Acts chapter 22. Let's ask God's blessing on our time in the Word. Let's uh, dive right in. Our Father, um, you know, we love your Word. Um, We're the the verse-by-verse people who we don't skip anything. And we love it all. We want you to speak to our hearts and, and bring in lessons that are helpful and that will, you know, set a compass point for us, Lord, a, a way to move forward and speak into our hearts the things that you've prepared here this morning for, uh, for all the people you've, you've brought here. I, I thank and praise you for your word, Lord. I ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we last, last, last left Paul. You remember? He was arrested at the temple for supposedly bringing Gentiles in to the temple. Of course, none of those allegations were true. And so a big riot ensued where they were literally trying to tear Paul apart. And so the Romans rushed down, rescued Paul from the mob, and they're carrying him, kind of like, I have an idea, like crowd surfing, you know, at a rock concert. They got him all up high so that nobody can grab at him, and they're pulling him up into the Antonio Fortress, away from the mob, and Paul says to the commander, he says, can I speak to the crowd? And he's, there's an identity, aren't you that Egyptian? And I don't know what you're talking about. I know, I'm, uh, I was born here. I do. And so now he starts addressing the crowd, and that's where we left him, the perils of Paul. I, I kind of like, you know, a serial, you know, and it, we kind of left it. It was a little bit of a cliffhanger, but that's kind of where the chapter ended. Paul, before I even tell you something about what he says, I want to talk about his motive a little bit. What's his motive? Love. Look, someone just tried to kill me to death, or worse, just brutally, bare hands. I don't know. My thinking is like, I'm going to climb in a hole and pull a hole in on myself. I want to address these people who just wanted to take my life. It's called love. And Paul has, we we looked at this a couple weeks ago, remember? He's at the beach at Mylita uh, with the elders from Ephesus. And there's a lot of weeping, there's a lot of crying. They hug his neck after he tells them, you're never going to see me again. We don't often think of Paul as like a lovable, huggable kind of guy, but he is. He wrote the book on love. He wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Now the Spirit of God wrote 1 Corinthians 13, but he used Paul. And I don't think it was a stretch for Paul. I don't think it was a big ask on the part of the Holy Spirit for Paul to have Paul write about love. I think Paul is a loving man. If you love God, you're going to love other people. We said that before. As a matter of fact, the best way I know how to love you is by loving God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. The best way I know how to love God with my whole heart and mind and strength and soul, I missed one there maybe, is by loving you. I love you best by loving God. I love God best by loving you. And I talked about that a few weeks ago, and in the interim period, God's been kind of working on me. Okay, you say you're Mr. Love. Why are you so impatient? Oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to be that way. And he's been talking about my, my he's been busting me and working on me. Praise his holy name. I love that. Because I can't come around here and, and mail it in and tell you this is how you should be, because uh, I can be anything. All I have to do is say the right thing. I have to be the right thing. Well, we call that hypocrisy. And God won't have it. 
Jesus, you know, you invite people to church. Oh, I don't go with all them hypocrites and stuff like that. Like, as if you invented the term. Jesus used it first, I think. He, it's an, the word is uh, actor, like uh, on a stage. that You're not really that person. You're just acting like that person. Jesus hates it. I hate it in me, and I want it to be rooted out. And God wants that too. And I think, has that, when we talked about that, did that mean anything to you? Did you kind of like, uh, you know, think about that? Have you been trying to be more loving? Because I think like the society, okay, we're not, have you read Facebook? You know, people aren't loving. People aren't civil. What happened as a society? We're not civil. And I think civil, by the way, is, is, is way down here. We're not even way down here. Uh, if, 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 if people say, well, how's it going at your house? Well, we're civil. They're saying, well, you need a marriage counselor or something? Civil is no good, okay? Civil, and we're not even that. We're not even there. We, we're on Facebook. We're anonymous. We're, uh, we're posting things. We're texting things. We're emailing things. And we're, we're not, we haven't even maintained civility. And we see this on the news all the time, which I say you should not watch. Uh, we, we see this in public discourse. Two or three or four maybe sentences of discussion and then right to name-calling. Why is that okay? Listen, it's not okay. It's not okay on Facebook. It's not okay in, in public discourse. It's not okay in conversation. It's not okay at your house. It's not okay at my house. It's not okay. Love. Others first. Because Jesus didn't say, hey, I want you to be civil with people. He said, love your enemies. And I tell you, if I'm going to be dragged over the coals on this, I'm dragging you with me, okay? Because wh- why should I have all the fun all by myself? And God's been really working on my heart. Adam, I want you to be a real lover of men, not a mouth, mealy mouth, say you love people. Now, it's easy loving you, by and large. It's very easy loving you. People say nice things about me. They're gracious. You showed up. You could be anywhere, but you're here. I like that. I appreciate that. That's a very nice thing. But once we're out of this, once we're not hanging out with each other, it, it, the, the love quotient, the love level drops off precipitously once you leave the precincts of this building. Is that not correct? Take it with you. Love people. They will respond to it. They just will. Jesus has been kind of working in my life like, this works. Why do you think it won't work? I know what works. Love one another. They'll know you're my disciples. They've never seen nothing like this. You be a, and it's not like you have to screw up all your emotion and, and just point it at somebody in love. No, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. And it's a choice. It's not a feeling. We're not trapped in a feeling. It's a choice. God so loved the world. What, did he felt, feel about us? No, he gave. He made a conscious decision. I love, I give. What did he give? His only begotten son. Now, do likewise. Paul is loving, and understand that. They try to kill him, and he's the one who said, no, 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 we, we're lo- if, if you haven't, you give your body to be burned, you give everything, you, you prophesy, you speak with the tongue of men and angels, you don't have love. You haven't even showed up yet. You're nothing, zero. And we kind of think of it like it's optional. And I just, I just want to, if, if I get one point across here all day long, make it this one. Love, not optional. Okay, got it? Let's move. 
Men, brothers, and fathers. This is his defense now to the people. Hear ye my defense which I make now unto you. This is Paul's Paul's been dreaming of this moment for years. Paul's been dreaming of this moment for years. If you're, I don't know if you have that in you. Boy, I'd love a chance to address fill in the blank. I'd love a chance to talk to the President of the United States about Jesus. I'd love a chance to talk to the Joint Session of Congress about Jesus. I'd love a chance to talk to the UN Assembly about Jesus. By the way, these are all true with me. I've thought it through. Because we think like that. Listen, I love me and one person. I'm talking about Jesus. It's not a numbers game, but I always think in terms of, boy, wouldn't I relish the opportunity to? Paul's thought about this for his whole ministry, and now here's the opportunity. Listen to my defense. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the silence more, I think it's a powerful silence, riot. Now they're speaking to him in Hebrew, and all of a sudden a hush falls over the crowd. And a hush when there's a lot of people. That's kind of a powerful thing. I don't know if you've been involved in anything like that. And he's using that to his, to his advantage and to God's glory. And here's his defense. I am verily a man which am a Jew. I'm Jewish. That's a point in his favor. And now they're going to be a little bit more sympathetic to anything he says after this. One, he's saying it in Hebrew. Two, I'm a Jew. Okay, I admit it. I'm born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia. So that's a point against him. I would like to have been born in Jerusalem, but I was born in Tarsus, sorry. But yet I was brought up in the city. Ah, oh, now he gets a point back. Think about it, in, at the feet of Gamaliel. And now they're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is Paul, this is Saul of Tarsus, brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. They will know this guy, he was famous. Two, rabbis at the time would have disciples. There was a guy named Jesus, had 12 disciples. You might have heard of him, right? Gamaliel had disciples, he had, they, and they would follow him, and they would learn. His, this is still, rabbis still do this to this day. And so he says, I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, and everyone heard of Gamaliel. There would be nobody in this crowd, who, what, who? No, no, they all knew him. And that when Paul's saying, yeah, I was his best boy, I was his, you know, shining student, they would all just come to the front and say, okay, this man is credible, He's worth listening to. You knew Gamaliel? You were one of his disciples? Wow. And taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God as you are all this day. Now he's trying to build a bridge. What is he saying? Okay, you were trying to kill me. But I get it. I get it. I mean, I totally get it. Because it's zeal. You thought I was doing something wrong. You were zealous toward God. I, was zeal- I am zealous toward God. So I, I understand that. And you think it's your duty to persecute this way. Well, I thought of that too, verse 4. I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Listen to his, his point. You try to kill me. I was successful in killing them. Okay? I persecuted this way unto the death. We don't think about that about Paul all the time. We ought to. The gospel's for real. You take a, a crazy murderer... Osama bin Laden style terrorist. Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, uh, great. Arrest this man or woman. You got to love Paul. Equal opportunity, right? And women, oh, she's the, of the fairer sex. We're just going to let go easy on her. Oh, no, 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 no. None of that. None of that for Paul, right? Both men and women binding, delivering into prisons, both men and women. 
as also the high priest doth bear me witness. Oh, you think I'm making this up? You think I'm just telling tales out of school? Ask the high priest. And now, you know, he's building his case. And think about all that's going on here, all the dynamics. As also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. It wasn't enough opportunity for me here. I was cleaning up. Uh, I was getting in prison. All the Christians here. And so I had to take my show on the road, take it to Damascus, and bind all the Christians and persecute all the Christians there. And the, the high priest gave me letters to that effect that I, would, that I have the authority to do that. Um, and it came to pass that I made my journey. And listen, I've got to tell you something. Think about this. You're personal testimony is a powerful, powerful tool. We had a couple over dinner one time, and I asked the lady, how did you get to be saved? And about an hour later of this convoluted story that went nowhere, and I still didn't, she, okay, she wasn't a storyteller, but she kept adding all these things that didn't make a difference. Well, it was back in 73, no, 74 when, because I know, because I was working at the library when, no, 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 because I, I think Nixon was in the uh, who cares about any of them? And you hone it, think about it, polish it. Five minutes, you get people's attention. If you're a good speaker, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you're here and you want the, and the, the Bible's good. If I was just speaking you out of whatever, in, in my other life, I'm a safety director. And I'm talking about confined space or lockout, tagout. I'm born myself. Uh, everyone that I'm talking to is falling asleep. And I'm falling asleep, so I can, but this is the Bible, this is, and this is life-giving, so this is, it's better, I'm glad I'm able to do this, right? So, um, he's got a, he's got this personal testimony, use your personal testimony. Uh, like I say, I listened to her for an hour, and I couldn't cut her off, because I'd already asked the question, and it was, I think she might have mentioned Jesus at some point, I'm not sure. What, how are you a Christian? What happened? What's going on? Uh, I know it, one, on one level, we all have the same testimony. I was an idiot. I was a knucklehead. I was rebellious against God. I was going to hell, and God intervened. The rest is just details. But those are important details. Those are important details. So, because I, 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 someone said, how'd you get saved? Well, you know, back when I was a young man, I was in the Marine Corps. And all the Marines, like, or armed service people, sit up and, oh, and they start listening. And, and it, you think God uses that? Yes, he has in the past. I said, I was brought up in the church, and everyone who's like brought up in the church, all of a sudden, oh, that resonates. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Because you were there. It happened to you. We can't say it didn't happen. You're ridiculous. You don't know. So Paul's sharing his testimony, and it's a powerful thing. People are listening. They're mesmerized. The Spirit of God will use your testimony. Bother to filter in the Bible verses that helped you, right? Because at the end of the day, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But your testimony is, it's, it's, people will listen, okay? More than you're willing to share, probably. It came to pass, I made my journey, verse 6, I was come nigh unto Damascus, it was about noon, right? Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice <laughs> saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I'm speaking loud because I think it was, I don't think it was Jesus like, hey, Paul, buddy, you know, what do you think you're doing? I think he, I think he heard a voice like, 
the, the, the rushing of many waters, as in, in the first chapter of Revelation, that's how John talks about Jesus. It's, it's like the voice of a trumpet. And it's like the sound of rushing waters, like Niagara Falls. And I think if Paul had any, Saul had any spunk, I bet at this point he's, <laughs> he's thinking like, where, where can I hide? No place, of course. He fell to the ground hearing this voice, right? Saul, Saul, why Perseus, was he on horseback? I don't know, it was a long way from Jerusalem to Damascus. I guess you could walk. Did Jesus knock him off his high horse very literally? Well, if he didn't do it literally, he certainly did it figuratively. Now Paul's undone, and he's sharing this with the crowd. And I answered, who art thou, Lord, Master? Correct. And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Now, the whole people, everyone listens at this point goes berserk, right? No. They're listening. And he just pretty much said, resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. I thought he was dead, but guess what? He wasn't. He came down from heaven, which I didn't think he was in heaven. I thought he was damned because he was a heretic. And he came to me, and, he, and people listen to this. And what are they, what are they thinking? I mean, what could they? And they're okay with it because nobody's shouting, nobody's angry, nobody's throwing rocks. And he's got them in the palm of his hand. He's sharing this narrative here. I thought about that and I thought like, wow, you can't hardly say that in Israel today. But he said it then and it seemed like it was, it passed muster. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. So the people, they got some of the part of it, but they didn't get the whole thing. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord, he just said, now he's using the word master. And it could mean master like sir, like we use something like, you know, we're waiting on somebody at, at the store and we're, can I help you, sir? Lord can be like that, okay? But it could also mean Lord like the Lord. It's not all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's not the yod Hey vav Hey. The tetragrammaton, it's not that, but it means master, and it can mean like master, like we call the Lord. And the Lord and he just ascribed this lordship to, to Jesus Christ. What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed forth uh, for thee to do. I've got a job for you. And now, again, the crowd is on, hanging on every word. He's, it, sees, it looks like the fulfillment of his dream. He's going to be able to share the gospel with all these people. Is this the gospel? It's, it's part of it. It's, 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 it's elements of it. He's not talking about the death, the resurrection, the burial, uh, the reason for Jesus' crucifixion. It's not talking about blood atonement. I mean, it's, there's elements that are, aren't here yet, but I think he's gonna, probably going to go all, in all these places. When I could not see for the glory of the light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. Now, we read that account, you remember, back in Acts chapter 9. Pretty humbling when you can't see and you have to be led around by the hand. 
but it was indicative. It was a point. Like, you've been blind your whole life, dude, you know. And, you know, the most often repeated miracle in the New Testament is where Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. Here it's reversed. Jesus blinds the guy who, who thinks he has sight, right? Uh, and it's funny to me. But, uh, again, he's, he'll, be, he'll be healed of this. It's only a temporary condition. But he has to be, like I say, led by the hand. And one Ananias, a devout man, and I think he's still building a bridge, a devout man. I was devout. I was zealous. You're zealous. He was devout. You're devout. I'm still Jewish. I'm still devout. I still love God. I still follow after God. Uh, one uh, Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, he came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. Now here we have a man who comes and gives Paul his sight and Again, the crowd is listening, and they're okay with that. So here we have Paul being healed. Do you remember back in, oh, I want to say John 8, the blind man was healed, and that caused quite a bit of contention. He's, he's this blind guy who, you know, he gets healed, and, well, who gave you, who told you, what, what's going on here anyway? And, he's, and he doesn't know at first. You remember he went to Siloam and washed off, and then Jesus had vanished, and they threw him out of the, out of the, uh, out of the synagogue and stuff, you remember? It caused quite a stir. Here, it just seems to be a, a different attitude. It's, it's in, again, Paul's sharing, telling what went on. And he said, the God of our fathers, this is Ananias speaking to Saul. Jesus had visited Ananias and gave him a message. And you remember that from Acts chapter 9 without going back to the whole chapter. Jesus commissions Ananias, hey, I want you to go on a street called Straight. I want you to, there's a brother there. Man's name is Saul. Go into, Saul? Oh, no, Jesus, I mean, listen, I, I, I want to be obedient and all, but this guy's a terror. And Jesus says, hey, I've picked him for a very specific ministry. And now Ananias is sharing with Paul, or Saul at this time, that prophecy that Jesus gave him concerning Saul. And he said, the God of our fathers has chosen thee that thou shouldst know his will and see the just one and should hear the voice of his mouth for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard and now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the lord does baptism wash away your sins it's a picture of repentance remember we talked about this a lot in the past uh if you baptize somebody, I think the biblical way is a picture of the death, burial, resurrection of the believer. And, it's, and, it's a, and, and it, does it so come in contact with that water? Does that wash away your sins? If I thought so, I'd grab four or five biggest guys here and we would baptize everybody every week just to make sure we would physically do it. It's a picture of what's going on in the heart. It's not it's not salvation. We've talked about that at length before. We won't visit there again. Hey, but what are you waiting for? You believe in Jesus. Okay, now is time. And Paul's like, hey, all right, what are we waiting for? And, and I love that attitude with, you know, ones who come to, especially we looked at like the Ethiopian eunuch. Hey, here's water. Here's water. Why can't I be baptized? Well, if you believe in Jesus, let's do this thing. You remember? I love that attitude. Um, is so I get the question all the time. Is baptism necessary? And I don't think it's a good question. Necessary for what? So I'm asking you a question to your question. 
Do you guys say necessary for salvation? I'm going to say emphatically no. Is it necessary for obedience? Obviously. It's not, I, sh- I wouldn't think of it as optional. And if you're not, why not? And we'll have one in June we do every year. We have a picnic, it's a good time, and good times had by all. And we do a baptism then, and already be thinking about that. So he gets baptized. It came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. So he comes back to Jerusalem after this, uh, his salvation, his transformation, his repentance, his uh, on the road to Damascus conversion. Now he's back and now he's a Christian man. He's in the temple again and he was in a trance. And I, and I saw him saying unto me, saw who? Jesus. He said unto me, make haste and get thee away quickly out of Jerusalem for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. He's talking to the crowd. I was in the temple. Jesus came and visited me, the resurrected Jesus. And he told me this. And the people are all still mesmerized and still spellbound, and they're okay with this. Listen, there's going to be a riot, okay? Spoiler alert. If you, if you read the chapter, you already know that. I'm guessing this is not your first foray into the, uh, the, the book of Acts. So you probably know there's going to be a, 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 a big riot. But he's talking about Jesus resurrected. He saw me on the road to Damascus. I got baptized. He, he had a message for me that I was chosen. I was going to bring the message to many people. And now here he is. Okay, I came back to the temple and Jesus appeared unto me. I was in a trance. And everyone's like really cool with this. Is that, is that, is, you had a video run in your mind when I talk like this? Because I always do. I have this like movie in my mind. And so here I, you know, thinking Paul in the temple, Jesus, and now he's relating this, and everyone's like, wow, wow, wow. And they're good with it. Apparently, you're a heretic. Of course Jesus didn't come in this holy place. He's an ungodly man. We crucified him. He's horrible. None of that. None of that at all. He's got the crowd in the palm of his hand, and he's talking to them about all this stuff, right? And they're, they're all apparently on every word. Uh, get out of here. They're not going to receive your testimony. Look at what Paul says. This is kind of funny to me. And I said, Lord, they know that I am prison and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew me. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Listen. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but this is my resume. They know that. I can speak to them because they know that. And I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I was imprisoning people and I was like, you know, torturing and making people blaspheme at the point of a sword. And about Stephen, I was holding the coats of them and I cast the vote saying, yeah, go ahead and, and do you know... Maybe you don't know this, Jesus. Maybe you haven't read my bio. or I understand who these people are. I was one of them. They'll listen to me. This is always Paul's thought. This is always Paul's argument with Jesus. And by the way, do I have to say it? When you're arguing with Jesus and you guys are at loggerheads, one saying, you say, God's saying one, you're saying another thing. Guess who's wrong? Every time, just write it down. Uh, now, you think I'd remember that for my next argument with God. What, what in us? 
thinks that we have to tell God and inform him of his gaps in, of knowledge. Uh, and it, it's laughable. Yeah, w- while you think about that, when we, I say it that way, it's laughable. He knows how many hairs you have on, on your head. Is there anything God doesn't know about you? <laughs> Sometimes I think we almost assume that. But it's, it's laughable. He who knows everything definitely knows about where he saved you from. No, Lord, you don't understand. I can reach these people. It talk, it's a good thing. It talks about Paul's heart. Okay? But Jesus, who knows the future, isn't that a, the most comforting thing you've ever heard in your whole life? So I applied for a job recently. I got I applied for a job before, and I didn't get it. And I was praying. I was... Well, you, who doubts that? <laughs> you, you go, you, after 23 years, you do the same job and you're trying to think about change job. You're praying too. <laughs> I don't even know if you know God. You're still praying. Because I mean, you, it, 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 it's, a, it's a big thing, right? So I'm praying and I said, Lord, I don't want this job if it's going to interfere with ministry. You know everything. You know, so if you give me this job and then I can't do this, well, you haven't done me any favors. I don't want to do that. And I can't see the end from the beginning. So please, if it's, you're not your will for me to have this job. Please stop me from getting it. And the one I didn't get, I was all disappointed. <laughs> Knucklehead. Dummy. And then I thought about it. Oh, and God reminded me. Because doesn't God remind you of stuff like that? Because he reminds me of stuff like that. So I didn't get the job, and I was all like, and I, listen, listen, I hate rejection. <laughs> I just do. I'm sorry. I'm just insecure. My fragile little ego, I don't. And I felt rejected. And so I was all having a pity fight. They didn't like me. They didn't like me. So not, not that bad. But not good either. And I, I felt bad that I was, somebody else got it. And they told me, oh, you were second. And it was just a razor-thin margin. If it's any consolation, I'm like, not at all. <laughs> no, no consolation. I wanted the job. And, and then God reminded me, didn't you pray? Oh, yeah. Oh, you knew that it wouldn't be good for, oh, pray, and now I'm, I'm praising God because I, I realize he intervened and poisoned enough minds against me so that I didn't get a job. Praise his holy name, right? So a friend of mine told me about another job. And he said, yeah, you ought to go for this. And so I'm like, ugh, I just stung from this last one. Like, I don't know if I can, my fragile ego can handle it again. So I, I applied, and uh, I, I, you know, it's easy apply on LinkedIn, just press a button, and they said, they called me, hey, can you sail a resume our way? Psh, no problem, tick, 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 yep, got it. And so now they have my resume. And so they say, well, can you, can we phone, a, do a phone interview? Yes, yes, so we did a phone interview, and I did good enough so that they said, hey, can you come in for an interview? I said, yeah. Now I'm praying, now I'm praying. Lord, you know the deal. This is my heart, this is my, I, I'm not complaining. I haven't complained to God and I haven't complained to you. This isn't my full-time vocation. I don't, I, I don't have a problem with work. I don't, I'm a worker, okay, that's, that's not a problem. But Lord, if you don't want, if you want me to do this full-time, if you want, uh, Lord, just, because you see the end from the beginning. I don't want to have this job and have it stand away from me doing this. Don't let me, and then I got the job. So what does that tell you? I think God wants me to have it. And so this is how, this is how I do. Isn't that how you do? Like make decisions, you're at the crossroads, and 
Well, I don't know. But you see the end from the beginning. Here's Paul arguing with Jesus Christ. You've done it. I've done it. And we're trying to give God all the information that he's going to need to make a wise decision. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, anyway, by the way, if you want to pray for me, that this is my last week of work at this company. And the 25th, I start a new job, new adventure. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'll tell you more about it as we get closer to it. Because there's a part, it's kind of a testimony I want to share with you at some point when we have more uh, of opportunity. But God knows the end from the beginning. Here's God. Paul, they're not going to receive your testimony. Lord, I, they will. They absolutely, I know. I know how they think. I know how they breathe. I know, I know the scriptures they know. I know the kind of people they are. I just, I, I can really have effective ministry here. No, um, make haste, get out quickly. What are you still here for? It's not going to go well. Get out of here. This is just back when he said, this is 20-something years before uh, he's here on the Antonio Fortress steps talking about these, to these people. 20-something years early, Jesus told them, they're not going to receive it. And he gives them his resume, and he says, depart, I will send thee far from hence unto the Gentiles. Now, he said the G word. You say, what G word? Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Riot breaks out. Wait, wait. What? They're okay with the resurrected Jesus converting Paul. They're not okay with this same resurrected Jesus saying, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles? What is the reaction? What is the problem? Help us understand, because I don't understand. Listen, this gives me no great joy to tell you this. It's called racism and i'm not saying every jew in the first century was a racist but there's plenty of racism here they're under the boot of a gentile nation who's their bosses who they're paying taxes to who they don't want anywhere around and when the word gentile said all hell breaks loose and it goes very badly and everything starts moving sideways it's called racism you remember jesus back in his hometown and he's talking about, hey, um, you know, a lot of people back in the day were, uh, you know, wanted to hear from God. And God sent uh, Elijah to this widow of Zarephath's house. You remember that? And then he said, and a lot of lepers were in the day, back in the day, but none were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And then they wanted to take him and throw him off the hill because Capernaum's on a hill. They want... Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of widows back in the day. And God sent uh, this prophet to this widow of Zarephath. A lot of lepers back in the day. But only God only healed the one, Naaman. And you're thinking like, so? I want to kill you because of that? Uh, I'm missing something here. Yes, you are. Let me fill in the blanks, the part that you're missing. He said, a lot of widows... The prophet only went to this Gentile widow. A lot of lepers, and the only one who was healed was this Gentile leper. That's not what you, you, if you read that, that's the non-obvious part. And now let's take Jesus and throw him off the, off the hill. You, you get what's happening. 
God, God could do a lot of things back in the day, and he chose not to. He chose to only bless Gentiles in these situations, and Jesus is telling them about this. Do they love that? They warm up to Gentiles. No. No. Now, Gentiles, what's that? You and me, we're Gentiles, right? Right? And we don't think of us as worthy of hatred because we're not Jewish. I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, and there was, one, there was this park called Grace's Field. On the other side of that was a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood. But if I was even going through work, and I worked in this uh, nursing home washing dishes, I'd walk through this Hasidic neighborhood, and there were you know, the people all in black with the curls and the all beards and everything else like that. They all spoke or English probably better than I did. Good morning. They wouldn't make eye contact. They wouldn't, they'd look straight ahead, and they would kind of make a wide berth around me lest I, they accidentally brushed up against me. Saying, really? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry, it didn't, affect, didn't leave any lasting effects. I always thought, it was, well, that's weird, you know. Uh, wouldn't talk to me. Like, less than, a, less than a dog. There was teaching at this time that one rabbi taught that the reason God invented Gentiles was f- fuel for hell. Imagine thinking that the theology is that you're just so many presto logs and <laughs> so you keep hell's fires heated up all the time. That's some of the teaching. It's called racism. Is it pretty? It's not pretty. It's not pretty when, uh, when Jews are doing it. So anti-Semitism is the answer. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, l- let me just say this. No. <laughs> we don't meet hatred with hatred ever. It's never an excuse to return in kind. Uh, love your enemies, do good to those who despitefully use you. Jesus has a lot to say about that. So that he's sharing, he's sharing, he's sharing, he's sharing. He tells accurately. Jesus said, hey, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. What was Paul's ministry? Ephesus, right? Corinth, Thessalonica, Derby, Lystra. These aren't Jewish towns. They're all over the empire. They're, they're what we, you would call Asia, that the, 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 uh, they call Asia, which uh, is Asia Minor, which is really, I don't know why it's called Asia Minor, it's really Western Europe, okay, in what's modern-day Turkey, the eastern part of Turkey. And it's, he's always in a Gentile town. There's synagogue presence, so he goes to the synagogue, because there's Jews all over the empire, and he goes to the synagogue and he tries to talk to them first. What happens? Invariably, they reject him, and then he goes and he, and he talks to the Gentiles and he starts a church. Why did he always go to the synagogues? Because Paul has a heart for his nation. Listen, I, I, I want to get this chapter in, but there's some things that we have to visit. Paul's got a heart for his nation more than I have a heart for you. I thought about this, and, and I'm not proud of this. Paul says, I would, if I could, I'd trade my salvation for their salvation. I'd go to hell if they could go to heaven. And I'm thinking, I don't want to go to hell, even if you go to heaven. I, here, here's a better plan. How will we all go to heaven together? Okay, that's my plan. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not willing to trade. Now, I'm not saying that's exclusive, because I, I think about this, like, is there anyone who I'd, I'd take hell gladly if they went to heaven? Yeah, I got a son. I got two sons. One's already going to heaven. He's back there. Next to my daughter-in-law, she's going to heaven. She's back there. Would I trade my salvation for hers? Yes. Would I trade my salvation for his? Yes. But they're already going to heaven. 
my wife, would I die for her? I want to die for her daily. I don't want to die for her eternal. I want to die for her to myself for her every day. How's that going, Adam? We'll talk to her about it. Some days better than others. Would I get another son? He doesn't love Jesus. Would I give my eternal life for his eternal life? Would I trade my place in heaven and go to hell in his stead? Yes, I would. That goes to my grandchildren as well. And I think that's the, long, the length of the list. And are you involved in that? I'm sorry, no. I, now, at this point, I just to be honest, okay? Because I, I don't know if you could say that about me. If, if I was going to hell and you were going to heaven, if you'd swap. I, but I think, that's, I think that's what we want to be. I think that's our, our goal. I think that's our growth. I think that's, Jesus did go to hell for us. It's called the cross. He did take the Father's punishment for us. And he did set the bar at, like, I want you to love like I have loved. I've set an example here. He washes the, his disciples' feet, and he says, okay, you, you taking notes? You getting this? Are you, do you understand? I, I want you to be selfless. I don't want it to be about you. I want it to be about everybody else. This will work, he says. And now here we are, gone full circle on love. Uh, I'm going to send you far from hands. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. They gave him audience. Those words, they lifted up their voice and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. Not just take him away in a prison. Take him from the earth. For it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried and cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air, grace. So they're ripping their clothes. It's, a, it's mock, fake uh, we're so, uh, you know, because like the high priest would tear there, and it, and it means like extreme anguish. You know, you're tearing your garment. It's like tearing your heart, but you can't reach down in there and tear your heart, so you tear your clothes. And clothes are important here. So here they're throwing their clothes, and it's kind of a mock kind of, because they're not really all this worked up. I mean, they are, but they're just like, it's showing, oh, he's blasphemed, so they're tearing their clothes. And they're throwing dust in the air, like repentance is like, you know, casting dust on your head. And I think it's like not real. The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging. He might know wherefore they cried so against him. He just said that all in Jewish. He didn't understand any of it. And he's thinking, okay, i tell you what we'll do. We'll scourge him. Uh, we'll examine him by scourging. What is this examined by scourging? Oh, they put you in this like pillar and they stretch you all out and they whip you in the back to you say what the issue is. You know, like they would torture somebody like, you know, if they're in, involved in the conspiracy and they would torture them until they gave the name of their conspirators. Ouch. <laughs> that would leave a mark physically and psychologically. I don't think I'd like that at all. I'd be confessing everything before they even got before I even got I'm just I'm kind of a wimp that way. I don't want to be tortured. I don't know about you. I know about Jesus though. He did the same thing to him. Pilate scourge him. We'll we'll get all the information out of him. What did he say? Like a lamb before his shares is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Why? Because if he was, if he had to turn in names and stuff like that, wouldn't your name come up? Mine would. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was, he was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. All uh, chastisement of our sin was upon him by his stripes. Think about that, stripes, literally, we are healed. If they're whipping him, hey, why, why are you being 
What's going on here? What, what's happening? Yeah, it's Adam. I'm, this is happening because Adam, he's a... I can't say so, being emotional. He, he's a bad guy. I have to die for him. Restore him fellowship with my father. And your name would come up. My name would come up in some really unflattering ways. Would Jesus die me out like that? No, he would not. No stool pigeon him. Just praise his name. So here they're going to whip Paul. Okay, what was that all about? We're going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> and uh, they bound him with thongs. Oh, this is not going to go well. Paul said to the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is Roman and uncondemned? Paul asserting his rights. You have the right as an American to believe in Jesus Christ. More and more they're going to try to make it a hate crime. I'm not a prophet, but I can read the writing on the wall. Don't let them. Don't let them. Um, he's standing up for his rights here. Wait, you've bound me, and you're going you're gonna to torture an uncondemned Roman citizen? Then you say, well, why wouldn't all the Roman, why wouldn't all the people to say that? Because it was easily verifiable. He would have documents pronouncing his Roman citizen. Uh, you don't pretend this, because then you get either crucified or beheaded. So um, nobody just said, so the guy says, um, when the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. And the chief captain said unto him, Tell me, art thou Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. Paul said, But I was free born. He's looking at him, thinking this ragtag, beaten up, half dead by the crowd. Now he's covered with dust and bruises and blood come from him. You're a Roman citizen, huh? Yeah. Well, it cost me a lot to be one. They must be giving it away now, I think is the idea of the, of the centurion. Paul says, no, that's freeborn. Straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid that he knew he was a Roman because they had bound him. You can't even bind a Roman citizen without uh, reason. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused. Remember, there has been two riots so far. Paul usually only has one riot a day. He's one over, okay? So, and he's going to have a riot the next day. Paul's having a good old high time for himself here. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he is accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his band and commanded the chief priests and all the council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Chapter 23, verse 1. Paul earnestly beholding the council. What's he going to say? Well, we'll have to wait for that for next week. Another cliffhanger, right? Sorry, it just ends that way. Think about this. Paul's going to have the opportunity that he's always wanted his whole life. Imagine, he said, I want to speak to these people. Oh, I said Gentiles. I touched the third rail. It all went sideways. If I just didn't say that, oh. And he's probably kicking himself. Now he's saying, oh, I'm going to get a chance to talk to the council tomorrow. God, I see your plan. You're so wise. If we get the leaders on board, we've got all the other people. They're going to lead them in your direction. I get it. And he's so excited. How's this going to go? I'll just tell you. It's going to end in an uproar again. And then Jesus is going to tell him, said, hey, Paul, you did a great job. What I want to end there, you can stand. Uh, our our, our uh, band's going to come. They're going to send us out of here in song. Jesus stood by him and said, Paul, you've done a great job. Why do you have to know that? Because last week you shared with somebody and you didn't think it went great because they didn't get saved. Paul starts three riots in two days, and Jesus says, great job. 
your sharing that does not result in somebody getting saved does not mean you didn't do a great job. Think about that next time you want to share Jesus with somebody. Receive, receive this blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Lord, I pray and for, for your blessing over this, these people, that you would put your blessing on them in all these ways. And Lord, I pray that your word would resonate in our hearts and change us. And Lord, we would be very willing to share uh, this coming week the glorious thing, the glorious change in our life. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear I count it all as long